Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Uh, We've been in this series called Let's Go. There you go. And uh, we've really been discussing this place of, of this warfare that surrounds the Christian life. And I know the American gospel preaches that, hey, you find Jesus and everything gets easy. He's going to bless you with new houses and new cars and all of these things. And can I tell you, God loves to bless his kids. We're not even talking about that. But, but we've bought into this reality that this is going to be easy. That this journey, like there's not going to be any struggle or challenge or difficulty in it. And that's awesome unless you read the Bible. Because the Bible tells us some different things. And so as the people of God, we want to build our life on the truth of God's word, not on the popularity of whatever message that you heard on YouTube or whatever space. And so we just, we want to invite you into some reality when it comes to your Christian walk. And to say that the Christian walk is difficult and has challenge to it does not mean that the Christian walk is not fulfilling. It just means that there's something really important going on around the kingdom of God. Because the mission of the kingdom of God is to connect people who are far from God to Him. That's why Jesus came. Is everybody with me this morning? Come on now. And too many times we just get wrapped up in day-to-day living and we forget, wait, there's a very real devil who doesn't want people to know the goodness of God. And so that is the struggle and the fight that we are in. We've spent the last couple weeks talking about some of places in Scripture. Last week, we jumped into the book of Ephesians, and we're going to finish that out this week. And then over the next couple of weeks, Pastor Jason is going to unpack some spaces for us out of the book of Joshua and the children of Israel and the things that they faced as they entered into the promise that God had for their life. And it was not easy. But there's this reality that as the church, we've got to settle our hearts in and, and come to grips with that the journey that we're in is going to have some fight to it. Therefore, we need to be equipped well to take that journey. And if we're not, both in our mental state as well as in our spiritual preparation, then this journey is going to be very frustrating to us along the way. And so today, we're just going to spend a little time uh, talking about this awareness. And and here's what I want to do. I want to remind you, because over these next few weeks... We're going to do some inspiring for you. The last couple of weeks, we talked about just this reality of the work of the cross and what Jesus has purchased, and it kind of gets us all excited, and it's just a reminder. I want your heart to stay in that place, but can I, can I tell you this? Inspiration without application is empty and frustrating. Somebody should write that down this morning. Inspiration without application is empty and frustrating. Let me translate that for you. Calling yourself a Christian and going on this journey and enjoying Sunday morning services and all those things without taking the Word of God into our life and applying it in how we live will be frustrating and empty for you. Can I just tell you I've been there? If you've been in church any amount of time in your life, you've been there as well. Times where we come and listen to messages or we're connected in our small groups or we're journeying in life and we're, we're, we're finding inspiration in some things, but we're never actually applying it to how we live our life. And then we get frustrated 
And we get disappointed and we get discouraged. Why? Because the Word of God was never meant just for your inspiration. The Word of God was meant to be applied with our lives. And so when we don't have that part in the journey, you will be frustrated. The, the Scripture and this journey of following Jesus will be extremely frustrating to you if we're not applying what God is teaching us. And so we want to take some time and get real practical over these next couple of weeks here of, of really taking some of this space of warfare and understanding what's going on around us and applying it in our lives. Are you guys with me this morning? I see some weary faces. How many of you guys have had a week? Whoo, come on now. How many of you know you're in the right place? Because there's encouragement and life that's going to come to you this morning, and you're going to get some application that's going to help you take some next steps today. Amen? Uh, let's start with a few fun facts. I, I can just feel that we need to... We need to loosen up a little bit this morning, not to mention the kids like it a lot. They're, they're way more fun than all you adults. So uh, let me give you a few fun facts this morning. Uh, there is a technical name for the fear of long words. Does everybody know that? And here, here it is. Here's the technical name. In, in this space right here, does somebody see the irony of this? Who thinks they can throw this out? Who's feeling really, really good this morning? They, they can say this. Do you think you got it? Okay, hold on a second. Let me bring the... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody online needs to hear. Come on now. Hippo, Papa, Nisset, Monster, Roses, Equipped, Alphabetophobia. Come on, let's give him a hand. I didn't see anybody else raising their hand for that one. Come on now. That's some courage right there. That is one legit word. Can I just tell you, they have totally missed the point. Here's another fun fact for you. Did you know that cows moo with regional accents? I know you guys think I'm making this stuff up, but I'm not. There was actually a study. Now listen to this. There was a study in the UK where they studied this, that based on geographical locations as well as cow groups... There is different accents in their moves. How many of you guys just feel smarter this morning? Come on now. Here's the best. Here's, here's a good one for you this morning. Number three, here we go. The blob of toothpaste on the end of your toothbrush actually has a name. Oh, oh. It was already up there? Come on. Talk about killing the pun. How many of you knew that? Nerdle. Any, nobody? Oh, church, come on. You just, it was worth coming to church this morning, wasn't it? Come on. Now you have a new word in your vocabulary, nerdle. Everybody say nerdle. Come on, now say it like you mean it, nerdle. See, Justin won't even join with me in on this. He's just like, what is going on? So now next time you brush your teeth, which I'm hoping is before you go to bed tonight, you're going to look down at that blob on the end of there and go, nerdle. And if that doesn't make you smile or laugh, you got something wrong with you. Come on now. All right. So we've been in the book of a feast. How many of you guys are enjoying the fun facts? I, I, dude, you got to get something good every time you come to church. And some of you just needed a smile on your face this morning. And you got it right there. You'll be thinking about cow's moon with accents all day long. I know it. Come on now. The book of Ephesians. Paul was instructing the church, uh, one of the most probably successful churches of the New Testament as far as their impact and reach. We talked about this last week. 
The church of Ephesus was at the central hub of the gospel going out to Asia. Um, And last week, we kind of looked at a map of that. That's modern-day Turkey and just kind of the regions all around there. And Paul was giving instruction to this monstrous church. Somewhere between twenty to 40,000 people in the city of Ephesus were considered to be the church of Ephesus. That's a big church. How many of you know that? We think we have some mega churches rolling nowadays. Can you imagine doing that without social media and email? Come on now. And, and Paul was giving them some instruction on just this reality of what it meant to be the church. And so he wrote the book of Ephesians as instruction for them. And he knew that they needed some help in how they were to function together and really what the purpose of the church was because they were getting a little bit wrapped up in day-to-day life. They were more concerned about the clothes that they were wearing. And I told you this last week, the chariots that they were driving and all of those things of life that just kind of consumed the church of Ephesus because this was a very wealthy city, a city that was doing really well. And I connected with you guys last week some of the parallels to where we get to live. Uh, How many of you know that Boise and the surrounding areas is a pretty beautiful place to live? Pretty easy to enter into the comforts of life. Pretty easy economically for us here. There's just, we're blessed in where we live. And so it's very easy in places like this to get distracted by things. It's very easy to get comfortable just in our rhythms of life. And the challenge with that was the church was never built to be comfortable. Jesus' design for the church was not for us to just sit back and ride off into the sunset after we've invited him to our heart and be our Lord and Savior. That was never the intent or the mission of the church. And so Paul was reminding this church and saying, hey, here's what it looks like to follow after Christ. Here's what it's going to look like as you gather together. Here's some things that you need to have in your heart and mind, some preparation. And Paul actually put it into a prayer that I want to read back over you this week because I feel like this is, this is my heart and the heart of our eldership and team as we have just been praying over our church that our hearts would be awakened in this space. And this is what uh, Paul said in Ephesians 1.17. He said, I'm asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I'm praying for you. This is what I've been praying for you this week, that God would grow you in your spiritual wisdom and your knowledge of Him. Not knowledge about Him, of Him, relationally in connection with Him that you would grow beyond where you are right now into the fruit of what He wants for you to live in in Him. It goes on to say, And I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now He is far above all rulers and authority or power or leaders or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him 
head over all things for the benefit of you. For the benefit of you, the church. This was Paul's exhortation. Listen, I want you to get this deep in your spirit and heart, church. This was his cry for them to open up their eyes and realize what Jesus had done on the cross was to purchase a place of victory and authority for you. And all too often, like the early church, it's easy to just get wrapped up in the minutia of life and forget where we're seated with Christ. And that is in heavenly places. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You just need to be reminded in your spirit that what Jesus did on the cross for you was more than enough. It's more than the depression that you're facing. It's more than the discouragement that you have surrounding you. It's more than the family difficulties and the marriage difficulties and the whatever difficulties you're facing in, his, in your life. Jesus was victorious over all of that and has invited you into his victory. That's a good place to be, church. And this was the heart that Paul was praying over the early church. And, and he, cons he was consistently speaking this message all throughout things that he was teaching to those that he was mentoring. In fact, in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, Paul's speaking to, to one of his protégés, a young man named Timothy. And here's what he said to Timothy in regards to this mindset that Timothy needed to live in. Verse 1 says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. I would just look at each one of you to be strong in the grace. What is Grace. Grace is that reality that reaches into your world and does the things that you cannot do. It's the unmerited favor of God saying, I love you even though you don't deserve to be loved. I forgive you even though you don't deserve to be forgiven. I know that you failed yesterday. I know that you got up this morning and had a rough day. Put it in the past. My grace is enough for you. This is Paul's heart for a, a young man that he's trying to develop in ministry and then he goes on to say, you have heard me teach uh, things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Church, all of these amazing things that you've heard throughout your life and throughout your journey of faith are not for you. They were for you. But the moment you heard them and they came into your life, now they are something that you get to impart or give away to someone else. This is what Paul was teaching. Then he goes on, endure suffering along with me. How many of you want to sign up for that, that tour? Come on now. Does this not sound familiar to some of the things that Jesus said? Hey, in this life, um, you're going to have trouble. Come and follow me. It's going to be a blast. Right? Paul's saying the same thing. Why would Paul say this to Timothy? Because Jesus said it to Paul. And so Paul's inviting Timothy into this relationship and this, this journey that Jesus invited Paul into. And he's saying, Timothy, come on, let's go do this together. And I want you to come with me and we're going to endure suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Paul, I guarantee you, if he had a moment to look in Timothy's eyes, you, you want to stop with Timothy and say, hey, Timothy, listen up here, buddy. This is going to be tough. 
There's going to be some moments where you want to just raise the white flag and be done. I get it. I've been there. But there's grace that is sufficient for you in those moments, and it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. So come on, let's go endure some of these things. For what reason? Because you've been enlisted in the kingdom of God. You've been invited by the king of the universe to come and be a part of his rescue mission for what's going on on this planet. St. Timothy, don't get your eyes fixed on all the things that are around you. In fact, let me paint you a picture, Timothy. It's like a soldier who's been enlisted in the army, and he doesn't get involved with what everybody, everybody else is doing. He's not worried about the new house. He's not worried about the new... And can I just tell you this morning, I'm not telling you to not own a new home. Come on now. What Paul was inviting Timothy to, and what I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us to, is to live our lives with a different kind of focus. A focus that is not so attentive to everything in our world around us, all the things that we want, desire, all of those things, but a focus that is, that is attentive to the things that the king is all about and that the king is doing. And so he invites Timothy into this theme, saying, Timothy, come and be a soldier with me. Let's go rescue people from the clutches of the enemy. Let's go destroy the works of the devil together. And what it's going to take to do that, Timothy, is you not having your eyes fixed on all the stuff around you that makes you comfortable in life. But Tim, I'm asking you, come on now, to join me in this journey and see that the mission of the kingdom of heaven is paramount. And God's given us everything that we need to be successful. This was really the heart that, that Paul spoke with and, uh, and really invited people to, to embrace and walk with. Uh, this weekend, I was actually with a couple of my boys. We went to a men's conference uh, in Meridian, and they invited a man named Daryl Strawberry to come and speak. And for those of you that are young, you have no idea who this guy is, but he was a professional baseball player that played in the major leagues for 17 years, won all kinds of awards, an incredible baseball player in his journey through baseball, he became addicted to cocaine, became an alcoholic, and by his own self-admission uh, was a womanizer. Completely lost himself in the journey through the major leagues. He, he professed he had everything that you could ever humanly want. And yet inside of him, all he felt was emptiness. He had a mama that was praying for him from the time he was a little boy. And though he strayed far, far away from anything that had to do with God, she was faithful to pray for him. Nineteen years ago, he made a decision to follow Christ through a crusade that he just happened to be at. God came and radically saved him and began to transform his life. And the message that he shared this weekend as we were listening to him was this place of this right here. This reality that when he surrendered when he gave his heart to Jesus. That something radically shifted on the inside of him. And all of the things that his attention was drawn to previously began to shift in his life. As Jesus began to walk with him, as he began to understand Scripture, and as he began to be discipled, his life radically shifted and took a totally different course. And now... He's spending his life connecting people with the King of Kings. What took place in him? 
He had an encounter with the Christ. Jesus. He saw his need. And from that place, God began to show him who he was in his eyes. Daryl Strawberry talked all about identity and the reality of where we find that in this life. And as followers of Jesus, and this is what Paul was beckoning the church to, church, you've got you've to learn and understand, and we read this in the first part of Ephesians, that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Don't mess around in those places anymore that cause you to live in darkness. And then Paul invited just uh, uh, the, the church in this really beautiful way to learn how to walk in the fullness of what God had called them to. He called them to walk in unity, to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. The invitation of Paul for the early church. And then he made a declaration to them that we're going to take some moments in this morning. Because it's the place not only of our identity, but it's the place of our belonging. We know that as we invite Christ into our heart, God has adopted us into his family. We sang about that this morning, that he's adopted us. He's brought us into his family. How many of you know that's a wonderful thing when you know in your heart that you don't deserve that place of belonging? I didn't deserve to be invited into the family of God. I had done nothing to earn that. It was completely a work that Christ did on the cross to invite me into belonging. So Paul began to speak to the church, and he was challenging them. He brings them to a place in Ephesians chapter 6 after he's set the groundwork of where they're seated, after he's set the groundwork of their, their invitation to walking in a life that's worthy of their calling. He brings them to this place in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And draws them into an understanding of now what it looks like to live in the full identity of what God has called them to. And this is where we're going to take a few, few moments today uh, of just really allowing the Holy Spirit to stir in us some things when it comes to our place of belonging. Here's what it says, Ephesians chapter 6. Many of you know this passage of Scripture and probably heard it taught on a few times. I want you just to open up your heart to what the Holy Spirit might want to speak to you today. Here's what Paul says. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice he doesn't say, hey, this is all about you and your strength and your ability and your finesse. And all, none of those things. Paul's speaking to the church and he's saying, hey, you, you need to learn how to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, his strength, his ability. And then he gives some very practical instruction that we're going to unpack today. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There is a reality for your life and for mine and for the world that we live in that the devil has some things that he's trying to get done. And really what he's trying to do is get you distracted from the purpose and plan of God for your life. And he'll do that a million different ways. For each one of us, it's probably different from season to season in our lives. But Paul instructs the church and says, hey, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand. To be able to stand. To be firm in the purpose and calling and identity that God has for you. 
And then it goes on to say, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, we said this last week, stand therefore. Powerful invitation from Paul. And Paul begins to paint this picture of really what this journey of faith is going to be like for us. And he's painting the picture now of warfare. Can we throw the picture up real quick, Amanda, of, of that, that scene, that battle uh, warfare scene? What's not right with this picture? As we look at this, there's, there's some irony that we, we get out of this moment. But this was actually the picture that God gave to me as I was kind of beginning to process through this passage of Scripture. That many of us approach our Christian life like this family. We're just chilling and having a picnic together. It's enjoyable. It's wonderful. But what is all this noise that's going on around us? What? What? What is happening? Like we're not even aware oftentimes that there is a literal battle that is taking place around our lives. For lack of better term, we're just fat, dumb, and happy. We're just enjoying life. And the reality of it is, is there's people that are dying all around us. And we don't even, in fact, we get a little bit of frustrated by, by all the bombs going off and the, the noise that's happening and the clanking of metal. We're just trying to enjoy our picnic here. And the Spirit of God is trying to remind us as the church, you are not meant for picnics. They're wonderful Thank God that we get times of rest in our life, but you are a soldier in the army of God. And there is a very real battle that's going on around your life and your family and your church and your community. And too many of us are having picnics while people are dying. And this was Paul's exhortation to the church. Church, come on. We got to have our eyes open to what's going on around us. Church, we got to recognize that there's a next door neighbor next to you that is right there getting a sword stuck in them, and we're having a picnic. What are we doing? And this was the plead of Paul. Church of Ephesus, pay attention to what's going on. I know you live in a really nice time. I know you have a nice home. I know you have all these wonderful things around you, but there's people that are dying around you constantly, and you're having a picnic. Church, we got to hear the call of the Holy Spirit in us we got to hear the call to the early church. This life that we have signed up for in relationship with Jesus and the purpose of His kingdom is all about rescuing those that are in, entangled in this battle and desperately need somebody to come alongside them and to war for them. And all too often, we're having a picnic in the middle of the battle. I want to read for you uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, Jeremy isn't here today, but last week he's like, Tim, have you read Ephesians 6 in the Passion Translation? I'm like, no, I haven't recently. He said, read it. I said, okay. So this week I spent time reading Ephesians chapter 6, and this is where we're going to unpack the armor for us today. But I want you to hear the words of this in the Passion Translation. 
and the, and the vividness that it describes of what this is like. Here, here's how it goes, and we're just going to march through this together. Verse 10 says, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. The best for last. This is what Paul is saying. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. How many of you have ever thought about the power of God in you being explosive? How many of you ever thought about that your life and the power of God flowing through you should shake some things around you in life? All too many times we're trying to bottle that up. We're trying to... Man, don't be loud over here. Don't pray for somebody out in public. Don't, we don't do any of these things, and, and the Holy Spirit inside of us is going, I want to be explosive through your life. I want somebody to know that this is the, the, the Spirit of God. I want somebody to know that I'm real, and that I know them, and that I love them, and I want to use you to demonstrate the explosiveness of who I am through. Again, most of the time, we're just having picnics in the middle of the battle, and God's going... I want to show my power through you in your life. How often do we say, man, I just, I just, I want to see uh, God moving like he did in the Bible. Can I invite you to something? Then make yourself available for him to move through. Be one of these places of the explosive power of God pouring through in your life to the people that you're around. And here's what I, I just have a hunch that if we'll make ourselves available, He's more than willing. This is, again, what Paul's inviting the church to. And then he goes on to say, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Let me remind you, you're in a battle. You need the right equipment to be in that battle with. Tennis shoes, tube socks, and short shorts aren't going to get it done, people. This isn't a jog. This is not a stroll in the green belt. This is warfare over people's lives that God cares about a lot. And so because of that, he's given you everything that you need to be equipped in that space. I love verse 12 here. It says, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, contrary to most of our belief. We spend more time arguing with people than we do realizing what is actually behind that argument. Come on, church. We spend more time pointing fingers and all of these things in our life, passing blame and excuse, instead of just going, wait, 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 wait a minute. This is not a a battle between Jason and I. This is a battle between principalities and powers. There's some spiritual stuff behind what's going on in my life. And I need to pay it. I need to open my eyes to the reality of that. He goes on to say, but but your battle is with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. Let me let me unpack this for you. When I was about 18 years old, I heard a teaching um, from a man that helped me to understand what spiritual warfare was all about. It was it was right around this passage of scripture. And it's derived around this place where we have to understand the battle that we're in and who we're fighting against. And where Scripture here says principalities and powers, 
That's actually a, a, a word that is broken into two parts. I don't know if we have that. Do we have those words? We may not. Um, principality is, is, is a two-part word. Prince and palady. Not complicated. I'm no English major. I'm just letting you know what it is. Prince and palady. That first word, prince, means authority or ruler. Not surprising to anybody in the room, right? Everybody's, everybody's got that one. Palady simply means a geographic or a demographic location. So let me, let me put it to you this way. Let me, let me illustrate this real quick. I need a couple volunteers. Uh, I need a couple kids that are willing to stand up on their chair. Will you stand up on your chair? You got it, buddy? All right. Um, I need another one over in the... Go for it. Stand up right in your chair right there. Awesome. And then... What's up, River? <laughs> and then let's have... Um, Let's have Nader. This will be fun. <laughs> Hold on, Riv. All right, so here's, here's what I need you to picture when it comes to principalities and powers. Okay? A principality is a ruler over a certain geographic location as well as demographics. Demographics are people. Geographic is a physical location. Okay? So we've got our rulers. Check out our rulers. These guys are, these guys are bad news right here. Right? Check them out, man. They, I just want you to know you guys are owned right here. Come on now. You guys, you, got, you guys are owned right here. Come on now. Nate, you're not standing on your chair. What's going on, buddy? There you go. You guys over here, he owns you. This is the reality of what Scripture's teaching us. There's there's forces that we don't see that have authority over a geographic and, and a demographic location. Right. Yeah. We, we make this way more spiritual than it really is. We actually see this in the book of Daniel, right? But here's, here's the reality of what Paul was saying. Hey, you have these authorities, and they've been, they've been given authority in this space. And, and the reason he has authority right now is just simply because you guys have all given it to him. Well, let that sink in for a moment. The reason he has authority right now is because you guys have given that to him. When it comes to spiritual warfare, we think, well, demons and all these things, they just have this innate power because they're awesome. No, they're not. They've been defeated. We need to clearly understand that they, they've already been defeated by the work of the cross. The only way principalities have authority and power is because people, and more specifically the church, has not walked in the authority that God has called them to. And so we see places all over the world where these principalities and these powers have authority and power. We go there and we're like, ooh, it's dark here. Well, yeah, it's dark here. Because they've been given the authority and power. We do that with our lives when we give place to sin in us. We give over that authority and power. But how many of you know that because of what Jesus Christ did for us, this principality, he can be seated at any moment in time. And I know this because I know his dad. In this, in this realm of influence, this geographic location, this demographic of people right here, men of God, any one of you could stand up right now and dethrone that authority and principality. Any one of you. Church, listen to me. Any of you in this place because of the authority of what Christ has done for you right now can grab that principality 
and say, it's time for you to be seated. This is what the church does. You want, want to have some fun? We, could, we can have some fun over here. <laughs> Come on, any of you. I know some football players over here. They could probably take care of this one. Any one of you, church, in your life, in your family, in your community, when you stand up in the authority that Christ has given with you because you're seated with him in heavenly places, these principalities and powers do not get to have authority any longer. But when we just leave them alone and we're like, man, Boise is a tough place to live. Man, it's just spiritually heavy here. Where's the church? Where's the church that says, no, 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 no. We're not submitted to this authority or this principality and power. Why? Because we are under a higher one. And he has given us authority to be seated with him in heavenly places. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Church, this is the reality of spiritual warfare. And we make it out to be something way different. Here's the truth. When you're wrestling with things in your family, it's not your family that you're wrestling with. It's principalities and powers that want to get you distracted from the mission that God has called you to and get you fixated on everything else. And when you do that, you give over authority to them. We bow at the knee of, you're a pretty big dude, but you're not that big. Right? We, we bow at the knee of a principality and power that all of its power has been stripped from them by the work of the cross, and yet we're giving it authority in our lives. Church, this is spiritual warfare. It's as simple as that. And what we as the church are called to is be re, to be reminded that you have been given everything you need to go into that battle right there and win. And the only time that we don't win is when we give place to sin in our lives or we don't put on the armor that God has given us to win battles with. That's the only time in your life that you will experience that. So what we're called to and what we're actually living in are oftentimes two very different things. Why? Because we don't have the right understanding in our head of where we are positioned with Christ. So I want to unpack for you the armor of God real quickly here this morning so that you understand all the ways that God has made possible for you to live in victory in your life. So here we go. All right. Verse 14 says, put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Notice that it starts with truth. Way too many of us are taking the opinion of the world or culture, or whatever. I don't know if we can believe the Bible. I, I don't know that you could believe the Bible. I don't know if you should really actually believe everything that it says. Maybe some things are good. Come on, this is the culture that we live in today. Trying to discredit everything about the singular place of truth. If you want to debate me on that, meet me after service. We can have a conversation. But I'm telling you right now, there is no other place given to mankind to find absolute truth but the Word of God. And all too many times, we're looking for it in educational spaces. Really, what we do nowadays is we look for it through experiential things. The problem is, is your experience will change all the time. What you experience in one moment will be different than another moment. And yet we want to build our lives on that as being truth. Church. We have to build our lives on the truth of God's Word. That's why it's, it's, it's around our waist. It's what gives us our very foundation and strength. It's actually what every other part of the armor other than your helmet is tied into. Truth in your life. 
We desperately need the belt of truth. goes on to say, put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Most of us would recognize this as the breastplate of what? Righteousness. What is righteousness? It's right standing with God. It's how we live our lives in right standing with God. Who makes you righteous? Christ himself. The Bible tells you your righteousness, Tim, your righteousness is like filthy rags before him. Anything that I have attempted to try and do to make myself right with God apart from the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is filthy rags. And anytime I try to go to battle that way in my own righteousness, I am missing the very thing that protects my heart, that protects all of my vital organs. Come on, think about this in your spiritual life. Anytime you're trying to earn the approval of God based on the things that you've done, you are now going into battle without any righteousness protecting your heart, without anything guarding you from your most vulnerable spaces in your life. Think about that. We live out of the righteousness that Christ has purchased for us, and he invites us into this place of holy living before him. Why? So that we are protected in him. Come on now. Uh, stand on your feet alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessing of peace. This is, and again, I know some of you are going, man, this, this translation is different. Yeah, it is different. I want to make you think this morning. What are our feet supposed to be? Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means that you have something that protects you as you walk through this life and you're bringing the gospel into people's lives. It protects you in that journey, guards you in that space, and really actually feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Do we have that graphic of that, of that armor? I think we do. Maybe not. There it is. If you notice the protection, this is a Roman soldier. If you notice the protection of the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, it doesn't just cover your feet. It comes all the way up your leg to your knee. It protects your mobility when it comes to carrying the good news. The things that God's provided for you are complete and whole. They guard and protect you in every way. And it goes on to say, in every battle, take faith as your wrap-around shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Can we go back to that picture real quick? Uh, in Roman times, so this explanation that Paul was giving to them, everybody in his time would have understood exactly what he was talking about. Why? Because they've seen these soldiers everywhere. And these soldiers, when they went into battle, notice his shield. Their shields were actually interlocking. What does that mean? That when they stood next to another Roman warrior, their shields would actually lock together, link together to protect them from the attack of the enemy. They actually were able to create, and they had all these elaborate ways that they would gather together soldiers from groups of 20 to 50 to 100, and they would link their, soldier, their uh, shields together, and it would protect them from everything that the enemy... When he was talking about the fiery darts of the enemy, they actually did that so that when they linked their shields together and then others would come over and protect, that when the enemy shot arrows at them that were flaming to kill them, they would hit them, and, and actually lodge into these 
these shields that they had. And before they went out to battle, they would saturate these. They had leather on the front of them. They would saturate them in water so that when the, the arrows hit the, the shields, they would be extinguished in the moment. That's what faith does for you in your life. It protects you. And faith is not something that you have just individually on your own, but it's to be linked together with the people that you're in this fight with. All too many of us have the picture of this warrior going out to battle all by himself like David versus Goliath. That is not at all the picture that Christ is, is giving us right here. Not at all what Paul was teaching us. Paul was saying, hey, you're in this battle and you're in it with a whole bunch of other people around you. Use what God has given you in the strength of the people that are around you. Link together. This is why the devil loves to get us isolated in our lives. Why? Because then when it comes to the, the attack of the enemy... You only have protection on one side of you. And can I just tell you right now, you're not that good. You're not that good. I know of no man or woman who've ever stood alone and not paid the price for it when it comes to the attack of the enemy in their life. Why? Because he'll surround you. He'll sneak around you. He'll come from your blind side. He'll come from the place that you least expect it and stick an arrow right in your back. This is why Paul was teaching us with this illustration of a Roman soldier. And you've you got to learn how to link together with the people that are around you. You've got, you got to get your faith connected to somebody else's faith, connected to somebody else's faith, connected to somebody else's faith, so that you can be protected in this fight that you're in. Because if you don't, the enemy will sneak in and he's going to get you. And it's going to be painful, right? So Paul's teaching the church how to function and to fight together. It goes on to say, embrace the power of salvation, full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. I, I just love the picture that they gave us there. Embrace it. Put that helmet on so that it will protect your thoughts from the lies that the enemy is trying to pour into you constantly. The only thing that guards you against those lies is truth and salvation. And where do we find truth? In the Word of God. And where do we find salvation? In the person of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Do you see the wisdom of how God created us to fight? Do you see that He doesn't leave you ill-prepared or ill-equipped? He's given you everything that you need to win the battles that you're around. Our only responsibility is to do it His way. To fight His way. It goes on to say, And take up the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword, of the spoken word of God. God's word to you and me is the only offensive weapon that you're given. I want you to think about this. When it came to everything that we just read, and when it comes to a, uh, a warrior's mentality, almost everything that a warrior takes into battle is defensive in posture. Why is that? Why is that? Because in battle, there's somebody that's out to kill you. And they're going to look for every weak spot that they can in you to defeat you. And so understanding that God has cloaked us perfectly to protect us from what the enemy wants to do in your life. And then he's given you one offensive weapon. But can I just tell you, that offensive weapon is completely sufficient for what you're going into. If you've noticed and are reminded, 
Jesus never fought with anything but the Word of God. It is written. And then Paul goes on to say here, and I just, I just love how he closes this space out, and this is how we're going to close this morning. Pray passionately in the Spirit as you constantly intercede for every, from every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessing of God upon all his believers. So Paul invites us into this place, and this is where we're going to close out this morning. So God has given you everything that you need to win this battle. Remember those little principalities that are standing there trying to scare you in your life? They have no authority unless you give it to them. God has given you everything that you need to be victorious in life. And I want to remind you that is not to be an independent soldier. That is to be one that is connected with the army of God. And when you fight from that place, you will see victory take place in your life. When we put on, as Paul instructed, the full armor of God, ah, today I, today I think I'm just going to wear the, my feet covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm just going to go out and share the gospel with people. I don't really need the breastplate of righteousness. I think I'll do okay today in the battle without the helmet of salvation. Shield of faith, that thing's just heavy. It's a lot to carry. I think today I just want to be fast, swift. That's all fun and games until you get in the middle of the battle and you're going, where in the world is my shield? What is, what is going, why am I getting it handed to me today? Well, it's possible that we have not done it God's way with the full armor of God. So here's what I want to invite you into today. We just barely scratched the surface of this. But God has set you into a place of victory for your life. He's given you everything that you need to live out of that place. Today, what he's inviting us to do is to have some honest moments about where we're at in this. Are we putting on the full armor of God? Are we actually living from a place with awareness of what's going on around us? Or are we just picnicking while everybody else is in the battle? These are things that are really important for us as followers of Christ, and it's what Paul was trying to stir in the hearts of the church, and I, I pray that the Holy Spirit is stirring in you today. Where am I at in all of this? Have I just kind of just, just doing life? Am I just kind of wandering through the battlefield while warfare is going on around me, and I'm just hoping to not get hit? Am I dying and bleeding on the ground because I have, I have chosen to try and fight this thing on my own? Where am I at today? As we close our time today, I just want to pray over us that, and I shared this earlier, reminder, inspiration without application is just frustrating and empty. For you today, it's easy for us to sit here, and many of you have heard about the armor of God. Some of you have even taught on it. But inspiration, being reminded that God's provided all of these things for us, and He we have the victory and no principality or power gets to stand against us, but not ever doing anything with it is just going to lead you to greater places of frustration and emptiness. That is not why we preach here this morning. I want to see you be able to put on the full armor of God and to live in the fullness of what He's called you to. Sometimes we just need a few moments of reset in our life. Anybody ever been there? The moments where God hits the reset button and, and some things just get readjusted inside of us.
God's called each one of us to warfare. He's called each one of us to win. And he's given you everything that you need to do it. The question is, will we lean in to what he's already provided? Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we, well, we have bitten off a big chunk this morning. But Lord, I thank you that it all resides in this place of the finished work, Jesus, that you did on the cross. Lord, that every principality and power, every giant in our life that tries to intimidate us and scare us has already been defeated. And Lord, what you're inviting us to is learning how to walk in the victory that you've already given us, Lord. Lord, we recognize that that around us in our world, God, in our neighborhoods, even in some of our own households, God. Lord, that there are those that are in the middle of a fight. Too many of us are enjoying the comforts of a picnic when you're inviting us to go and to destroy the works of the devil. And God, today I'm asking for awareness to come to our lives, for what your word would describe as revelation, God, to come to our hearts. Lord, that you would open up our eyes to see what is all around us, Lord. And Lord, that you would call us into deeper places, God, of commitment to the work, God, that you are doing in the world that we're in today and the part that we play in that. And Lord, I thank you that we have nothing to be intimidated by in our enemy. But Lord, that you have already set our feet on a firm foundation of victory in you. Lord, what you've called us to do is take on your full armor and to go into battle, God, and to rescue those who are far from you. Lord, we thank you for your word to us today. God, may it, as Paul prayed over the early church, Lord, may it fill our lives with light. Help us to see and to understand and to not walk away from today, God, being hearers, but not doers. Lord, we need your empowerment for that space of our life. So, Lord, we just invite you, God, to come and have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.